0: No necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's the Jenny Hatch Show at Blogging Mothers Magazine, and I'm your host. My special guest today is Lawrence Sinclair. Larry has been an acquaintance of mine for the last several years, and I've carefully followed his story on the internet for about five years. Over these years, I've written approximately 20 blog entries on my blog and at Blogging Mothers Magazine referencing his story, and other reporters, noted reporters, like Wayne Madison, Webster Tarplay, uh, Jerome Corsi and Jack Cashel over at World Net Daily and Kevin Dujan at Hillbuzz have also written ex- incredibly detailed and uh, well-researched articles about Larry's story. And yet, ironically today, I went to the Washington Post and the New York Times Googled Larry's name, and there was nothing, there's been nothing for five years about this man, his story, what's happened to him. And so uh, I've been reading a lot in the week, this past week, about the Washington Post and why it's going down the toilet. And, you know, you editors and columnists and writers over at those newspapers, maybe you should connect the dots in your own heads and, and decide that if you were about telling the truth, that uh, Larry might be somebody you might might have wanted to send one of your writers to contact to write a story about. So it's my special honor to have Lawrence Sinclair on the show, and this is his story. Larry, welcome to the show.
1: Um, Thank you, Jenny. It's good to be here.
0: Why don't you go ahead and first um, just give us a little background about your connection to Barack Obama.
1: Well, Um, let's do it like this. In 2008, uh, I became the number one target of all things uh, Obama after going public and just simply confronting the fact that his um, narrative on the extent of his drug use was not necessarily the truth. And I had revealed that in 1999, uh, during a uh, chance meeting in the Chicago area that I had met Barack Obama and that during that meeting we had engaged in some consensual sexual activity as well as drug use. Um, let's just say that by going public in 2008, uh, I think you will agree, shortly thereafter we realized exactly what the full extent of um, – internet stalking and harassment and uh, government agency uh, targeting could accomplish.
0: (laughs) Well, and you also spent some time in jail, if I remember right.
1: That is correct, and that was one of the things in 2008. When I went public, I made my past history um, very much public as well. I, I pointed out that I have... I do have felony convictions for bad checks and credit cards uh, I, uh, in Florida, uh, Colorado, and Arizona.
0: Well, uh, and your, a- your detractors love to talk about your past, but they sure don't want to talk about the president's past. What's the connection between Vice President Biden and the couple of days you spent in jail around your national press conference?
1: Well, you know, it it went back to people trying to distort. Look, in 2008, people claimed that I never disclosed my past, and I've actually provided, you know, copies of print media that actually made it perfectly clear that I, uh, you know, disclosed my past from day one. So, you know, in 2008, they were trying to manipulate that. I did the press conference on June 18th, uh, of two thousand eight at the national press club shortly thereafter uh, i was a, approached by three plainclothes officers that later turned out to be u.s marshals in a holding room off the Holman lounge saying that they had a warrant for my arrest for a fugitive from justice out of delaware i was taken into custody put before a, a magistrate in the district court district of columbia superior court I was held for six days and then picked up by uh, Delaware on a, a theft charge that really wasn't a theft charge. It turned out that they had done a sealed grand jury indictment uh, approximately two weeks after my public YouTube video went out in January. They called this sealed grand jury um, on February Second, and I believe they handed down a sealed indictment on February 5th of 2008. Despite the fact that the court records claim that they mailed notice of the indictment, no notice was ever mailed. Um, turns out that the District of Columbia did not even have a warrant uh, in their possession for my arrest and the District of Columbia themselves only issued a warrant for a fugitive from justice in their jurisdiction uh, 36 hours after I was already taken into custody and 12 hours after I had already appeared before a judge.
0: You know, I just read James O'Keefe's book, Breakthrough, and this is so reminiscent of the tactics that were used against him. And I actually think both of you men are just lucky to be alive, given the climate that's going on right now. Have you been surprised at all that the Benghazi CIA guys are saying things like, you know, it's not just us, it's our families that are at risk with the thugs in the White House right now? Surprised
1: is not even in my vocabulary anymore. Look, Jenny, if people will take the time to go back and look at exactly what took place with me and my family, or for that matter, anyone who posted a comment in support of me uh, back in 2008, 2009, 2010, you will see if people had only listened then, we wouldn't be going through this scenario now to where – People are just now finding out that you've got the Internal Revenue Service, you know, um, stalking you or investigating you or doing everything in their power, you know, to smear you. You wouldn't hear um, people like Catherine Elbridge uh, with True the Vote uh, talking about how she's withstood, you know, these massive invasions of privacy by the U.S. government these are not surprises. What it was is people just didn't look. People, unfortunately, have this train of thought to where they don't want to listen or acknowledge something unless it happens to someone that they can sympathize with or unless it happens to someone that they know personally or unless it happens to them. I, You know, I don't begrudge uh, True the Votes founder any of the newfound fame that she has at this point. But I do question the likes of Huckabee and others who are saying that this is the first uh, story of a a citizen, you know, having to undergo a microscope, uh, looking at every aspect of their life. No, it's not. It's not. You know, um, it's been going on since before Obama was elected, You heard last night that the American Freedom Fund uh, was targeted in February of 2009, shortly after Obama was inaugurated. Interestingly enough, in the IRS case, we posted uh, documents proving that it was 20 days after his inauguration that I was notified that all of a sudden I was under an IRS audit after being threatened for more than a year that it would happen. So people need to understand these aren't surprising things to me. I I think that people do need to understand as well as we can't just take and say, okay, it's bad when it happens to this one because we can relate to them, but it's okay when it happens to someone else. And I think that attitude over the 2009, 2010, 2011 uh, period, actually brought about the um, the agency's desire and feeling that they could do these things and actually get away with them.
0: I agree with you, because I've always felt that the conservative press, and I'm, t- I'm talking about people like Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, those who have big platforms and big voices, they really did not take the time to cover, and they still don't. They have not covered your story. Um, Kevin Dujon's the things that's happened to him since he started talking more uh, specifically about Barack Obama's um, criminality. Um, And, you know, my heart goes out to not just those of you who've been harassed and and messed with in every conceivable way, but I'm also so heartsick over the murders. Could you just spend a minute talking about Donald Young?
1: Well, look, I raised the issue that Donald Young's murder was, one, it was not part of a serial killer targeting openly gay black men on the south side of Chicago, which was the initial um, reports out of the the Chicago media and those in the community. Uh, And it was put out that way because shortly before Donald was murdered, There was another gentleman uh, by the name of Larry Bland that was also murdered in a robbery. People, unfortunately, have tried to connect the two to Barack Obama, and I've asked people, don't do that, because it kind of takes away from from shining the spotlight on the one murder that a lot of people do believe is connected to Obama and his campaign in 2008. I sincerely believe that. Um, You don't have a person who makes contact with you out of the blue, who you've never spoken with, who you had no idea who it was, who has your personal cell phone number, and not just one, but multiple numbers in the course of you changing your cell phone number to reflect the local area that you're in. So Uh. Donald Young was murdered on December 23rd of 2007, uh, a little, uh, I was going to say a little more maybe than two weeks before the Iowa caucus, the 2008 Iowa caucus, where Obama pulled his upset. Um, Since... Obama's election, and since I filed the affidavit with the Chicago Police Department in April of 2008, uh, bringing out you know the communications that I had had with him, you've got Donald's own mother, who was a former Chicago Police Department employee, come out and say that there's no doubt in her mind that her son was killed to protect Barack Obama's secrets, and people have just you know dismissed this. You know everybody says, oh, well, you know, Obama's too smart for that. It's not that Obama is too smart for that. It's the people who, and people need to understand, the Obama camp has individuals that are so devoted to all things Obama that they really do not think or even care about the consequences of things that they do in defense of Barack Obama.
0: And people do,
1: yeah, I mean, look, you, you hear about all of these murders in Chicago, the 4th of July, what, more than 21 or 14, between 14 and 21 murders in Chicago from gun violence alone during the 4th of July weekend. We talk about violence, but we don't talk about specifics. You know, the fact that the Chicago Police Department refuses to cooperate with any public um, freedom of information act request as to the status of the investigation uh, i did a FOIA request with them back in 2011 and they provided documents in the initial police reports uh, a lot of it was heavily redacted we published it um, contacted the cook county um, prosecutor's office was informed that according to their records they did have <clears throat> the Chicago PD did have a person of interest as recent as uh December of 2008 but that they were not releasing the name that the person was questioned but that no charges had been brought um Since 2011, however, no one's bothered to uh, respond. If you call the Homicide Division for the precinct that handles the Donald Young murder, uh, God help you, don't mention Sinclair News or Lawrence Sinclair.
0: What's the consequence of doing doing
1: that? Uh, They will basically hang up on you and won't even answer your question.
0: Well, as you've said numerous times in various blog posts, videos, et cetera, Donald Young was the choir director at Reverend Wright's church, and had a personal relationship with Barack Obama. And he contacted you during the election in 2008, and you actually kind of had... he
1: he actually he contacted me in the fall of 2007.
0: Okay, so that was during the primary.
1: Yeah, the primaries had not even begun yet.
0: Okay. All right. Thanks for clarifying the, the timeline. Okay. But he was—he was obviously doing some fact finding about how much of a problem you were going to present to the campaign, and then through a series of events, you found out that he was murdered.
1: Yeah, and and this was what—and and it's all in the book. And and you're right; it has been uh, published repeatedly in describing the situation. I was contacted by a man that I had no idea who he was. The first initial phone call uh, represented himself as being uh, from the Obama for America campaign. Uh, When he asked why I had not asked for the campaign to acknowledge the sexual encounter between Barack Obama and myself as opposed to the drug um, discrepancies. I knew right then and there that this was not an individual from the campaign because I had never once contacted the campaign to where the sexual encounters were ever part of the conversation. So I was a bit leery. Like I said, I knew immediately after that that this was not someone with the campaign itself. In the process of a few months of talking uh, repeatedly, He did acknowledge that he got my numbers directly from Barack Obama and that he was asked to do just what you said. It was to determine who I had talked to in the media. Uh, Was this going to become a problem for the campaign? Um, How uh, seriously were those that I had been speaking to taking these allegations? And it took me, look, I didn't just all of a sudden pop up one day and go, oh, crap, this is the guy that died. It took me, my God, almost three months after he was murdered to even put two and two together to fill out the affidavit and send it to the Chicago Police Department. And I felt that the Chicago Police Department should know that this was an individual who had made contact with me after I had made contact with the Obama campaign, an individual who had openly admitted that he was intimate with Barack Obama and that he was, in fact, fishing for information as to who I had spoken to in the media. Because, you know, when you're investigating a murder, you definitely want to know, you know, is there anybody out there that would have had reason to want to kill him? And people to this day ask me well, why is it that you think Donald Young is dead and you're still alive? And I think the easiest answer to that question is simple, and it goes back to something you were saying a minute ago. Not only was Donald Young the choir director at Jeremiah Wright's church, Donald Young was an elementary school mathematics teacher who had gone back to school to get his master's so that he could actually become a principal within the Chicago public school system. You don't... Um, you don't try to smear and debunk a gentleman such as Donald Young who, for all intents and purposes, other than the fact that he's an openly gay male, you really don't have anything to use against him to try to portray him as being some nutcase or or criminal mastermind. <clears throat> so I tell people I think it was always easier To try to discredit me because of my, you know, checkered past, if you want to call it checkered. Uh, I tell people it's just life experiences. Some of us choose to go down certain roads until we realize that we hit a roadblock and we either better turn around or find another exit pattern. Um, But it was a lot easier to attack me and to go after trying to question my credibility. They did a very good job of it in 2008 because they were very good about uh, contacting state and law enforcement agencies and claiming that they needed additional information that that primarily by law is not really releasable under public information requests. But... Under certain circumstances, for example, I know that according to the Colorado Department of Corrections, they were contacted by an individual who insisted that their identity cannot be disclosed, that they're only contacting for information because they and their family have been personally threatened with death by me and my family members. None of it being true, of course, but it doesn't matter because these agencies don't actually take the time to investigate whether or not these claims are valid.
0: Now, so I, never, course, I, never, I never thought of it this way, but you're exactly right. If Donald Young had gone public about his relationship with Barack Obama, it would have been devastating. He, it he would was, have been. He was right in that inner circle in black Chicago and one of their own, and, you know, like you said, an upstanding what, elementary school teacher, I mean, could he be more beloved by his community? And if he had stood up and said, "Hey, this stuff was going on. Brock's not who he says he is," that that would have killed the campaign.
1: Exactly, and and that's what I try to tell people to look at. I try to tell people, look, you know, you can come after me, you can attack me, you can say, well, you know, who the hell are you? You know, you're you're a faggot. You you've spent time in jail. Well, guess what? Instead of going back and telling me, hey, you know, you've got a checkered past, you've done these things, you've spent some time in jail, why don't we look, try to reverse that and look at the positive from those negatives? Yes, I've served time. Yes, I've committed crimes. Yes, I've always admitted to whatever I've done, I've never wasted a taxpayer's. Uh, any taxpayer funds in trying to go to trial and, and forcing someone to, to prove my guilt when I know damn well that, that I did what I was accused of doing. Um, but on the flip side of that, the recidivism rate for individuals who have been incarcerated is extremely high. Uh, for people who spend, say, five years in prison or longer, uh, the odds of them getting out and actually staying out are maybe, uh, let's say, 85% of the time they're back within one year, okay, or they're violated. Not only did I spend some time in jail, but when I got out, I not only got my sentence completely discharged, but I've actually not gone back. And and that's what – and I'm – Look, I'm going on, what, 20 years now? So maybe people should try to, to, rather than look at the negative part of it, look at the the positive
0: aspect of it. Well, and that very question, why you, why you, has been um, asked of me when I reported various incidents that happened to me as a blogger to the local police. I even called the Denver FBI one time to report some of the stuff that was happening to me, blowback in terms of the things I was writing about on my blog. And all these officers were like, why you? You're a nobody. And what they don't realize is that in 2007, my blog was getting 40,000 unique visitors a month. And these were mostly hip on the internet, young females, mothers. And this is the very group. It's the white um, young uh, female who put Barack Obama in the White House in the first place. I call them the Oprah crowd. And they are the ones who are coming to my blog. These are not women who spend their days at World Net Daily and all the various conservative sites. They they look down on that. They wouldn't go read an article written by you know Web Tarpley or on rent. They wouldn't listen to rent. But they were coming into my blog. And I really think that's the reason why I was targeted with so much blowback in terms of uh, my blog. There were so many attempts to, to rip my blog off the Internet, silence my voice. And, you know, again, the police couldn't wrap their heads around the idea that just this mom in Colorado typing about these political issues could be a political target.
1: Look, uh i i can give you example after example in 2009 even after barack obama had been sworn into office <clears throat> you know there's a group of bloggers or what i refer to as internet warriors or wannabe internet warriors who even as we're sitting in late uh 2013 continue to this day to dedicate their every waking moment to writing things and publishing things on the internet that are attacking and challenging me as an individual or as to my credibility and my my family, my mother, who is a senior citizen who uh is a cancer survivor when in two thousand in October of two thousand eight in fact October tenth <clears throat> just before The election. um, All of our email, my email accounts and my website accounts had been hacked to the point to where they went in and they removed all of the posts from our websites and put up a wadded uh, an image of a wadded piece of paper on the floor with the with the uh, words "game over" on the website. Microsoft took more than a month to restore control of my Hotmail accounts to me despite the fact that they knew for a fact that the accounts had indeed been hacked and that the individuals who controlled those accounts had done so illegally, Microsoft even knew that they had posted an automatic vacation reply through those email accounts to where anybody that sent me an email after they had hacked into them would get an automated vacation reply that contained a vulgar sexual um, message in it for the purposes of trying to make me look like a complete idiot.
0: I know. They they spammed me with so much porn, you would not believe. Yeah. But
1: but what I want people to understand is I'm not convinced, and I'll explain why, I'm not convinced that this was all, you know, bleeding heart liberal Obama uh, mania individuals because You mentioned Rush and Beck. Let me tell you something. Rush Limbaugh has earned my respect because I don't know if you heard it, but last year somebody called into Rush's show and mentioned me, and Rush Limbaugh demonstrated to me that he not only knew who I was, he knew exactly what the media had done to me from day one because he sat there on his program and he told this caller, he says, Look, I remember Larry Sinclair. The media turned around and tried to tried to make him out to be the biggest nutcase in the world. You know, uh, Glenn Beck, look, I, I don't, as far as I'm concerned, I don't feel that anybody uh, owes me anything as far as reporting on something. I think that what conservatives need to understand is You cannot move forward and you cannot bring people in the fold if you yourself practice what you're accusing the liberal left of practicing, which is um, failure to be transparent or you pick and choose who's acceptable to you and who's not. Uh, You know, you've been targeted by individuals. You have been used uh, by individuals who... We're trying to, you know, to discredit one person or another and and save their own reputations and, and, you know, for fear of you being targeted. Again, I won't even, you know, mention the individual's names, but you understand what I'm saying. I do. Yeah, the conservative movement has got to get its act together to where it stops um, preaching this transparency and this accountability while at the same time refusing to be transparent and accountable themselves. But that's a story for another day because I just got a 90-second warning in my ear.
0: Well, that's for the live show. For the blog, um, I mean, for the podcast, we can go an additional 15 minutes, and I want to if you've got the time to do it.
1: Uh, Yeah, we can try it.
0: Okay, great. Um, One of the things that I'd like to really delve into in these last few minutes is just go ahead and tick off a list of just all the blowbacks on you. Well, let's see.
1: From almost immediately after going public, I was accused of being a mental patient locked in a Texas psychiatric facility, and people had obtained psychiatric records belonging to another individual who apparently has the same name as me and started publishing them on the Internet, despite the fact that HIPAA laws prohibit such things, even though it wasn't me. Um, 2009, my property management company, when I moved to the Daytona Beach, Florida area, my neighbors were receiving postcards, we receiving postcards with Photoshop pictures of me holding a gun to my head, uh, telling my neighbors to be careful that I was a lunatic, uh, telling neighbors that I had a history of abuse against the elderly... Uh, I've had people publish online repeatedly that I am a wanted pedophile out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, despite the Tulsa Police Department saying that nothing could be further from the truth than that. Uh, I have had my mother's picture stolen out of hacked email accounts to where they have published her picture in a disgusting, vulgar sex ad that they put up online, Uh, Let's see, harassing phone calls and threats at all hours of the day and night. I have undergone a total of 14 fraud investigations by the Social Security Administration since 2009 based on people uh, filing anonymous fraud reports claiming that I was doing book tours and book signings, making millions of dollars on my book when, in fact, nothing could be further from the truth. I have had the United States Secret Service uh, sent a three-foot-high stack of documents accusing me of all different types of threats and uh, potential threats against uh, Barack Obama, his wife, his children, uh, all of which the United States Secret Service has confirmed is totally baseless and false, but the fact of the matter is it's there. I can provide documents from the Department of Homeland Security that shows that the Barack Obama campaign in 2008 issued a warning to nationwide law enforcement databases alleging that I had made threats against Barack Obama and even had... Um, threatened to commit suicide by cop, and this information was distributed nationwide to all law enforcement agencies, to anybody that stopped me for speeding or failure to signal or or whatever and ran me through the system, that warning would pop up on their patrol car's uh, computer system. Just to have a law enforcement officer see something like that would make them, you know, want to have their weapon drawn. So my own safety has been put at risk at that. On Barack Obama's birthday in 2010, on August 4, 2010, I was invited to speak at the National Press Club by the McClendon Group. The uh, director of the National Press Club, did not want me there, and because he couldn't stop me, decided to move the McClendon group meeting out of the room that they had used for 30 years and put us at a table inside the open bar and had even hired armed security to sit outside the bar area and monitor my every movement, prohibited Uh, Pictures from being taken inside the National Press Club until after I was escorted outside of the building after I had finished speaking. Three days later, on August 7th of 2010, while driving down Pennsylvania Avenue onto H Street, I was pulled over at gunpoint by a uniformed Secret Service officer and ordered out of my vehicle after he asked me if I was Larry Sinclair. I was detained for more than two hours with my arms and legs spread eagle up against the limestone of the parking garage for no other reason than the fact that I was Larry Sinclair and he wanted to harass. Uh, Where do we go from there?
0: Why don't you talk about Parisi?
1: I was going to say I've been targeted with a $30 million defamation suit that was brought, in my personal opinion, for no other reason than to use the court system to try to discredit and smear me even more than what people had tried to do during 2008, um, two years of fighting that particular defamation suit, and on February 12th of tw- or excuse me, February 28th of 2012, uh, I came out of it victoriously because the judge had granted my motion to dismiss for failure to state a claim.
0: Well, I have to to insert here that when I read Jack Cashel's piece at WorldNet Daily on that event, I laughed out loud because the visual of Parisi standing there with his highest-paid Washington, D.C. insider attorney next to you representing yourself, I, I laughed out loud, Larry, because that is so you. You're so willing to stand up to all of these people by yourself, you know, and just say, hey, you know. I'm innocent.
1: Well, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in one thing. You cannot expect anyone else to back you up or stand with you if you're not willing and prepared to to be the one standing right there in the front. Um, I, By all rights, I brought all of this upon myself by even opening my mouth. People ask me to this day, with everything that has gone on, If you had it to do all over again, would you have done anything differently? The only thing I would have done differently is I probably would not have gotten into trying to respond and go back and forth with all of the idiots on the Internet that continue to want to bait and argue. You know, that was my biggest mistake.
0: Would I I... It's a waste of time.
1: Well, you know what? It was a waste of time, but but you have to understand, when all of this came about, I had no idea how this was going to play out. I probably should have sat back, you know, and thought about this, at least to the standpoint that, look, I'm not going to get caught up in this back and forth with a bunch of anonymous people who hide behind screen names in their mother's basement. But... Like I said, hindsight being twenty twenty, you know, if I had it to do over again, that would be the only
0: thing uh,
1: that I would change.
0: Um, I'll, I'll tell you, when we made the decision to leave Colorado and move, um, I said the exact same thing to my daughter. I said, Allie, there is no rule book to tell you how to respond to the things our family has been through the last few years. You know, we're just flying by the seat of our pants trying to keep our heads above water. And I understand that emotion. It's like you you don't know how it's going to go. You don't know how to respond. You've never read anything about these tactics being used against anyone. You know, it's just otherworldly. And so, you know, again, I just have to express to you my absolute respect for the way that you've conducted yourself during, I, I think, I can't think of any other person even in history who experienced, the things that you have experienced, there have been times when I was reading about what you were going through when I literally had tears streaming down my face because I was so frustrated and so angry for your sake. But go ahead. We've got, like, five more minutes. Give us your well, I, 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 I,
1: Yeah, I, I appreciate that. But you mentioned Colorado. Colorado is a good example of what I have been put through as far as targeting <clears throat> Um, there is a outstanding warrant out of Pueblo County, Colorado, that's been there since 2001. Uh, I've not been running from it. Uh, I've acknowledged it. In fact, I was in communication with the district attorney's office and the court trying to deal with it. In 2008, uh, the chief deputy district attorney, Jim Corsi, who was actually the individual that was handling the case, specifically told me, do not worry about it, do not waste the money and the time of coming out to Colorado because I'm going to move to have it dismissed anyway. Because of all of the uh, Internet warriors, these people started contacting the district attorney's office and the sheriff's department. Even Crime Stoppers, Crime Stoppers in Pueblo, Colorado and its director, uh, had to call me and apologize to me because people had taken information from them and put it into postcards and started sending it to my neighbors and my property manager and represented the postcards as being mailed by Crime Stoppers when, in fact, it was mailed by some idiot in Denver because they were all postmarked in Denver. That's what I'm saying. People don't bother to get their information, and and they start calling. And, And, of course, they all want to do it anonymously because, God forbid, you ever be able to hold them accountable. But this case was taken from the chief deputy district attorney and given to one of his subordinates, who himself has political aspirations to being the DA one day and who happened to have been a big Obama supporter. So here we are in 2013, and the warrant still sits there. It's only valid within the state of Colorado, but not because there's any reason to proceed with it, but none other than, He wants to be able to not have it used against him when he decides to run for DA that people find out, oh, well, he's the one that that dropped this thing.
0: You know, and
1: these are things that I still live with every single day.
0: Right. Well, why don't we finish up by telling the story of your book because that was the one that I became so angry about for the left to trumpet free speech and freedom of expression and then all the threats that were conducted against those book publishers who you went to to publish your book. I I was so angry about that.
1: Well, the first book is Barack Obama and Larry Sinclair, Cocaine, Sex, Lies, and Murder. It was finally published and started distribution in June of 2009. Um, What you're referring to is that I did have publishers who were going to publish and distribute the book, but prior to the book being ready for publication, the same group of online uh, warriors started contacting every publisher that they thought might be um, interested. What was interesting is people didn't know that Regnery, uh was actually looking at publishing it for me as well until these people started contacting publishers, threatening them, had one small publisher out in Utah that was completely honest with me and contacted me and said, look, you know, we're a small company. Uh, We need to be able to pay our employees. Our employees have families to support. Uh, We just can't, uh, you know, get put in this position. And I understood that. The book was finally published. It was distributed through Ingram Content Group. Uh, people got offended and angry that the book ever made publication. Uh, again, that goes back to, I think, the reason that the defamation suit was brought, even though it was on, it was brought a year after the book was published. Uh, it wasn't brought because anybody was defamed or anybody was misrepresented or anybody's character was assassinated. It was brought as an effort to, one, get the book out of distribution, make it even more difficult for people to be able to to obtain it, and they succeeded in that. And the reason they succeeded in that is because when they named Barnes & Noble and Ingram and Lightning Source and Books A Million and Amazon, uh, they had to defend themselves. And the contract required that I indemnify them uh, as far as their legal expenses.
0: Well, well and I I've, I've, I've read that during that time, the book went up to $600 on Amazon in its used form. Is that true?
1: Actually, I know for a fact that in August of 2010, a little less than three months after the complaint was originally filed in the D.C. federal courts, I know that one of the original first edition hardback copies was bought for $3,475 that somebody had sold on Amazon um, during that time. Because I, you know, defending this case, you know, the pressure got real extensive, you know, in the early goings with the defamation case. Uh, I know that people were selling copies of the book in excess of three, $4,000. Um,
0: you can get it now on Amazon on Kindle. Listen, our time's up; just about yep. to kick us kick us off. But Larry Sinclair, Jenny Hatch, show, thank you so much for your time, Larry. Thank you, Jenny. I hope those of you listening will take some time to check out the links that I put with this show. Go to Larry's uh, website, check out his uh, his group. He's he's really doing some amazing uh, journalism right now, and um, you should you should check it out. Hopefully, we'll talk again soon, Larry. Thanks so All much right, for being with Goodbye. Bye bye. Okay, round
1: two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.